It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. <laughs> All the small things. Oh. That was kind of good. It's all right. I didn't, we can't go any further than that, though, because then we have to pay royalties. Right. And uh, we know they could probably use some money right now. I'm a, that's not nice. <laughs> that's a opening. I'm wow. cranky tonight. Oh, my gosh. Watch oh, out. Oh, boy. Welcome back to Bigfoot Collectors Club. This is episode 45. Wow. Lucky 45. Know, lucky 45. Uh, I'm here. Oh, wait. Let me tell you about the podcast. This is a show where we... Speak to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I'm your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host, Bryce Johnson, and our trusty producer, Riley Bray. Oh, boys, how are you? Great, good, yeah, fine. Okay, so, good show, guys. So you two, yeah. right. uh, Riley, tonight. Riley, you were off somewhere this weekend on an adventure, were you not? I was. I was at Desert Days Festival. Oh. Cool. Did yeah. you uh, hear any strange stories while you were in the desert? You usually bring something home for us. Uh, there was a there was a, an evacuation for a lightning storm during the Tame Impala set. That was Whoa. kind oh, of spectacular, God, that was happening. I wanted to see that show. So did everyone else. Yeah. Uh, wow. Did no you one get did. in? No. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, uh, I've been a part of this festival sort of since it started. Um my band played the first one, um, but uh, I'm on the recording team now, so we record all the the um, shows. Uh, so that's what I was doing out there. But during the Tame Impala set, they started. It was amazing. Like right when they walked out, they're like, "We Tame Impala," and then there was like a flash of lightning on the horizon. And everyone was like, "Yeah, are they? Oh yeah, thunderstorm." No, they're Australian. That was my best. Australian. Are they Australian? Really? Yeah, that's pretty good. And um, the yeah, less I know, the less I know, the better. Video is like one of my favorite videos. Oh, of it's all incredible! Time. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, go check it out, everybody. But yeah, within 15 minutes of their set, this lightning storm had like come upon us, and they evacuated the whole festival, and it was like total pandemonium. And then it was just the most insane lightning I've ever seen in my life all night, just like across the whole sky, and everyone just like hunkered down in RVs. And the people that were in the campground actually got evacuated, which was kind of a bummer. It kind of oh, it was dude. a hit for the festival, and a wow. lot of people were bummed. But it was still a it was a grand adventure. Did you get to play? Oh, no, I didn't play this year. I, okay. was, I was recording this year. Got it, got it, got I it. I love that yeah. word, hunker down. Yeah. Hunker down. Anything that sounds kind of like it involves the army. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you didn't get electrocuted, but I, I'm hoping that maybe that electrical storm uh, made a UFO crash somewhere out in the desert. That'd we'll be sweet. A... We should go look. All right, we'll do it. Um, I'm going to unlock my computer. Because I wanted to introduce today's guest. Um, guys, we have somebody super awesome. Yes. It's totally in our wheelhouse. Totally. You know I love to have writers on this show. And uh, this this guest, uh, I'm going to tell you a little about her. She was born in Istanbul, Turkey, and raised at the foot of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. She graduated from the University of Colorado Boulder with a BFA in performance studies and has performed in regional theaters across New York, Florida, Alaska, and Colorado. So she's an actor. Amazing. She's one of our people. In 2017, she was a writer in residence with Aspen Words, Leah Fisher. Yay! Hi, everybody. How's Welcome it going? to the show. Uh, she's got you. a brand new book out right now called The Cryptid Catcher, which sounds like something we would really like to read. Yes, and it's awesome. She brought a nice copy, autographed it for us, 
and I'm taking it right home and reading it to my boy. He'll oh, love that. Oh, nice. Yes, I hope he enjoys it. And he's oh, he how will. old again? He's seven. Perfect. But uh, like he was, he's already like two years ago, he was writing Bigfoot comics and, and stuff like that, and he's, he's way into it. Dad's raising him well. Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I might be at fault there. <laughs> Leah Fisher, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's Have, a pleasure being here. Is Thanks. this your first cryptid podcast that you've been on? It is my very first cryptid yes. podcast. Awesome. Exclusive. Yes. Great. Yes. But not your first tangle with uh, cryptids, obviously. No, no. Cryptids, I, I would say we go way back, but kind of not. I'm fairly new to the cryptid Ooh, world. Okay. Um, but I got in deep real quick. Yes, so. it happens. And mm-hmm. we know you. We've been introduced to you uh, through one of our favorite guests of all time. That's right. Who's also... Giving us thumbs up right now. Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> you may remember her, Erin Hayes. Mm-hmm. Um, she's sitting here quietly. We didn't give her a microphone tonight because we know she loves to upstage everybody. <laughs> 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 so we heard some stories from Erin about her time in college and her paranormal experiences that included haunted houses and included witnessing a giant vision of Mother Nature in the sky. Now, were you a, a part of any of those uh, I was not a part of Aaron's experiences with mm-hmm. haunted houses, but I did have my very own. You guys did go to college together. Yes, though, we did right? went okay, to college together, and um, and I lived. I did have my own haunted house experience where I was actually saved by a ghost. What? It's true. That sounds incredible. It, it was amazing. Um, it it started out where so like I, saved, like in the Christian sense. No, like my life, like physically, carnally saved. Because if a ghost came to me and was like, guys, guys, (laughs) Michael, heaven exists, and I've been there, and- You uh, gotta go. You gotta go. (laughs) You gotta get saved. (laughs) I would probably believe him. Sure. (laughs) So- what happened was I was living in like an old house with, and there were five of us in the house and it was right after college and it was an old house with like a creepy attic. And I lived in the attic where there was like just a tiny window, no way to get out of it. Were you and, a, I wasn't uh, expecting that. Old <laughs> discarded that awesome. baby doll or a <laughs> I was, forgotten rocking horse? Is I was, that where you were in college? I was a student fresh out of college with a degree in theater. So I couldn't <laughs> afford much for friends. You know, that'd be me though. I'll take the attic. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And um and so it was a, a rare night where I was home alone because, you know, I had four roommates and there was always somebody home. And I was out on, oh, oh, so before this night, I would take naps during the day because I was born kind of like Benjamin Button. I was born like at 80 years old <laughs> and needed to take naps even when I was 20 I'm with 20 you 100%. Years old. Yes. So whenever I would take a nap in my attic during the daytime, I would always feel our cat like jump on me and start to paw my legs. Mm. And I would look up and I'd be like, Kitty, stop it. And there would be nothing there. And then I'd lay back down for the nap and I would start to feel hands groping up my leg. And again, I'd sit up and I'm like, cat. And there'd be no cat. Like, cat, where did you get hands? Exactly. (laughs) And then I'd lie back down to sleep. And then I would feel like somebody laid on top of me. And this was every time I would take a nap. So it was like a pervy ghost, but like 
a really tired ghost because he he never <laughs> haunted me at night. They go hand in hand. Yeah, it was always during the day. It was like an old man pervy ghost. He's what? like, what? Here's the plan. <laughs> First, I shall approach her as a tender kitten. <laughs> <laughs> then I will morph my paws I will into morph hands. my paws into my old creepy man. <laughs> and then when she tells me to cease. I'll just simply lie down on her and go to sleep. <laughs> and that was my ghost. What? And I wasn't scared of him, you know, because he, w- he would never come at night. And I was like, well, it's hard to be afraid of a daytime haunting. Mm. So, but one night I was home alone. <laughs> I don't know if and- I agree with that. <laughs> but- no, it's true, Michael. Everybody knows that. <laughs> and I was outside on the porch um, smoking a cigarette as one does when they're in their 20s. Yeah. And I... I like your goofy guilty voice <laughs> i know well, i'm not trying to, i'm not trying to encourage oh, people to to smoke um and i put my cigarette out in a dry juniper bush as one does and i went i up- know you're a writer because your details are fantastic <laughs> <laughs> and i went upstairs to my attic of no escape and i went to bed and and i was in a dead sleep and i felt someone oh, no. shaking me saying leah don't forget to mail the letter. Don't forget to mail the letter. And I wake up out of a dead sleep and I'm like, what? Why? And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot to put that letter in the mailbox. I guess I should go down and do that. So I walk out of my attic and I grab this letter and I look out the front door and the porch is in flames. Wow. The, I had lit my house on fire with my cigarette and the it was like a 12 foot wall of flames like oh. 10 feet long the whole side of the porch was on fire gates of hell it, yeah and and i finally put the fire out the first thing i grabbed was a gallon of milk because when <laughs> you're freaking out that there's fire you that just was think my liquid gallon of milk <laughs> i'm a little kitten <laughs> and so, I, so i finally put the fire out and i realized that Old man pervy ghost saved me. Yeah. Wow. He woke yeah. me up. Like he got up from his slumber because he's never awake at night. Sure. And was like, I have to save her. And so I feel like I was actually saved by this ghost. Well, there are multifacets to my personality. <laughs> I'm not just a kitten. I'm not just pervy. I'm also slightly heroic. <laughs> For sure. That's insane. You got it out. First of all, you put it out with a gallon of milk. What was the next thing you went to? (laughs) Toothpaste. Well, well, I will say that what happens to your your thought process when you're in a panic is really interesting. Because the first thing I did when I looked out and saw flames is I thought, who's who's barbecuing on my porch? Right. And then I was like, that's a big barbecue because those are big flames. And then I remember... Someone's making some big old burger. <laughs> and then I was like, wait, I put my cigarette out in dry oh, shrubbery. Dude. I think I lit it on fire. So then I started doing a little running man in place in panic. Yeah. And I thought I need liquid. Yeah. And the first place my brain went to was gallon of milk. So, because it's a liquid. I and- just love that you were going to try and fight this fire. My ass would have been out the door. <laughs> I would have grabbed the cat. <laughs> And the ghost, and I would have gotten the hell out of there. And you know what? I would have left Boulder, and I would never would have come back. 
just, because just on the highway. I'm like, I gotta go. This is my fault. If, if you feel the heat, you can't cut and run in 30 seconds. At, at one point, I did consider calling 911. This was after I tried the what? gallon of milk, tried to load a bucket and then with I, the kitchen sink. I had a half a quarter of orange juice. It should always be the last thing you do after you go through all of your fridge liquids. There was a half a can of Coke in my car. Well, I'm out of soda. I should call 911 now. And then I finally turned on the garden hose, nice. yeah. but it wasn't connected. Mm. Oh, and God. Oh. so then water wasn't coming out of the hose. So then I tried to connect the hose, but with the water on, and that wasn't working. You know, again, when your brain's in a panic, you're yeah. not thinking clearly. I, I just like and, that it turns out you were Mr. Bean in college. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got full like Benny Hill music playing yeah. in my head to this firefighting endeavor. Oh my god! And finally, it was at that point where I was like, oh, "Do I call the fire department?" And it just feels so dramatic. Like I don't know if you've ever called nine one one, but like mm-hmm. it takes you a minute to be like, "Is this the moment? Is right. this the time that oh I call for help?" Yeah. And so I didn't. And I eventually just grabbed my bucket and I went to the open spigot and I did like a little, you know, fill. Old timey fireman. Old timey fireman with one person. Wow. So, how long did it take to put out? I'm, She's point, like, two days. I, <laughs> two days. This is a rare is occasion where like <laughs> the ghost is overshadowed in this story. <laughs> <laughs> I love that she's like, is this like during the pandemic? Oh, Should I, I forgot. The fire? A no, ghost is also involved in this story. Not ready here yet. <laughs> wow. And uh, no, it took me like a couple of load the bucket, splash the sure. bucket, load the bucket, splash the bucket. And then as soon as the fire was out, one of my roommates came home. And he came in through the back door, and he opened the front door, and he's like, who's barbecuing out here? <laughs> I'm like, that's what I thought at first. Wow. I'm like, but no, I lit the house on fire. Wow. <laughs> so, did, did they let you live there after that? They did. Oh, they did. Nice. I could, Yeah, yeah. And the ghost and I lived happily ever after. Wow. It was, it did, was... did you ever experience the ghost again after that, or...? You know, I honestly can't remember, mm. but I I burned in the fire! <laughs> <laughs> Man. Wow. Well, uh, we want to hear some more stories. <laughs> I feel like you got As if that wasn't good enough. Uh, but before we get further into your personal paranormal history. Yes. Good God. That was great. Wow. We have some. Space news. Try that again. No, let's keep it. Um,. <laughs> Bryce, you had a, a story you brought in today, and I had one I wanted to talk about, too. Why don't you go first? I didn't really bring it in. I was just, uh, it was more of a headline. I was going to bring it in, but I did notice that uh, caught my attention. Um, Tom DeLong's To the Stars Academy had a big kerfuffle with the courts. They filed uh, that they were in debt about like $27 million or Jeez. something like that. I thought they had the Bigelow bucks. Yeah, apparently apparently not. Uh I don't know. I should. I uh, wish I had the <laughs> that story. Sounded in like front I was me, laughing. But... It was actually coughing. Yeah. Uh, but that's all I have. I that's didn't... it. Well, yeah, I didn't bring it in. I told you. I. I was just. Yeah. I... Well, so for our, listeners... I don't remember details very well. That's, that is that's not, not true, true at okay, all. Well, you then. can describe like <clears throat> what happened in every episode of Curse of Oak Island that you watch on Netflix yeah, like ten years ago. <laughs> Um, well, we'll have to check out that story because that's a that's one that obviously I think uh, our past our recent guest Jeremy Corbell's been very interested in what mm-hmm. Tom Long's doing with To the Stars Academy and f- 
in terms of disclosure and uh, and building maybe UFOs. building UFOs and sounds like maybe that's more expensive than they thought and maybe some of the uh, <laughs> you know, entertainment projects they have been talking. I'm about on their email the newsletter, ground. like so they email me whenever and and all they always email is like T-shirts. It's like, hey, check out the new To the Stars Academy T-shirt. Hey, that's more than what we're doing so far. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. But I'm like, you know, you got this big UFO company with all these, you know, huge people working with you and for you and and all you're trying to do is sell t-shirts i don't get it now when he says he wants to build a ufo what is what does that mean yeah no he wants to take his top science advisory board i mean he has guys like think yeah when you listen to him talk in some interviews he's he's cagey about some of the stuff he's he is to do but i think they're actually trying to uh figure out how to build an actual flying saucer no that's right no that's right with, i mean like using anti-grav gravitational technology yeah and I he think. he's got and uh, sell some tv shows yeah and sell some tv shows in the mix too he's got some big players on board like guys like hal pudoff hal pudoff was the guy who um i gotta i wish i would have done some research on this but anyway he he's a he's a big guy in the uh in the uh ufo field in the ufo field yeah but anyway, okay. Well, we'll 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 take a look at that. Maybe next week we'll have a, an update for everybody. Um, I got this story sent to me by a couple people uh, last week, and I I'd, actually it was one of the rare occasions where I'd seen it before people even sent it to me. Which is, uh, I thought this was a little interesting. Might uh, segue nicely into the cryptid stuff that we're going to get into. Um, the uh, <clears throat> researchers. This is from Time. Uh, discovered a Neanderthal child was devoured by a giant bird. Um, So the oldest human remains discovered in Poland were found a few years ago, but it's only recently that scientists have uncovered the unfortunate fate of the Neanderthal, or Neanderthal? Neanderthal. Either way. Either way. Either way. To whom they once belonged. It was only this year that researchers discovered that the bones found amid the remains of animals actually were those of a Neanderthal child. Uh, a child, it turns out, that was eaten by a giant Ice Age era bird, uh, reported uh, science in Poland. The bones, determined to be the phalanges from the child's hand, were dotted with dozens of holes. Uh, and that was the clue to le- that led researchers to determine what happened to the body. Uh, and then this professor, Paul Paul Valdenowak of the Institute of Archaeology of uh, the Yangilonian University in Krakow. Good God, I didn't know it was going to be so hard to say, and I probably butchered it. Uh, he says the uh, analysis showed that this is the result of passing through the digestive system of a large bird. This is the first such known example from the Ice Age. So they don't talk about, they think that the bird may have attacked and eaten the five to seven-year-old child. So that's not tiny. And it's a Neanderthal, too. So you got to think those... That's like a 12-year-old kid, <laughs> size right. kid back, back maybe. <laughs> uh, but it, they think it uh, may have attacked and eaten the kid and then fed on him afterwards. But you got to think, five to seven years old, that is a big... Uh, that's Big a, bird. For, big bird. So that makes me think of like, you know, these stories we hear of thunderbirds and these giant birds that still people see in Wisconsin and the Midwest and Texas that um, swoop down. Like, there are stories of like... A mother, a mother running out in her backyard and seeing a giant bird trying to drag off her like four year old kid, mm-hmm. and she like grabs him by the 
feet and pulls them off and this bird flies off and people don't believe that she saw a bird that big. But here's some scientific evidence that maybe something that's, you know, behind... do eat children. Yeah, well, (laughs) that that there are or were super large avians. I mean, we know we have pterodactyls at one point, but not, not, not then. Right. So maybe there are giant birds out there. I believe it. Surviving today. That's also the metalist story I've yeah, ever it's super heard. Metal. <laughs> it's more metal than Batsquatch. Thunderbird eating Neanderthal child is giving it a run for its money. Oh, that's true. Yeah, All right. Well, amazing. now it's time to turn our focus back into our to our guest, uh, Leah. Yes. We've heard a little bit, but what is your personal paranormal history? <laughs> As if that wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get into this book. And what else how... have you experienced? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What other um, home accidents you, have you caused? <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, talk structure fires. Yeah. Right. I do. Have you ever been electrocuted? <laughs> I actually do have one more structure fire story. Let's hear I it. mean, I know we need to get to the cryptids. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll make time. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do feel like I need to share... The first time I did call 911 and got over my fear of shouting emergency, and it had to do with another fire. Um, I did not cause this one. Um, this was, I was living in Brooklyn, New York, uh, once again with several roommates. Um, I'm sensing a pattern. Yes, yes. And I was asleep, and it was like three in the morning. And I hear a knock on my door, but it takes me a while to open the door because, again, I am i was born as an 80-year-old, so I wear earplugs when I sleep. And so I pull out my earplugs. I didn't I, know you had Benjamin Button's disease. I'm sorry. I do. Yes, I do. Okay. That's, that's what I have. Um, and so I open the door, and my roommate's like, Leah, um, I'm just going to bed. And I turned on my air conditioner, and it sparked, and the outlet lit on fire, and it's now smoldering, and I'm wondering what we do. And You're like, I... is there any milk in the fridge? <laughs> <laughs> totally. And I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, I, I'm like, I don't know what to do in this situation. And I actually said to him, I said, I really wish that there was some kind of department of fire who we can contact that's amazing i actually said that it's like you have a block (laughs) and and then i went past trauma there and he looked at me and he goes leah we do have a department of fire it's called the fire department (laughs) and i said meanwhile cut to the air conditioner just (laughs) eating up the entire wall with flames (laughs) and i almost started to cry because i was like we do have a fire department <laughs> yeah. and we can call them and they will come. Yeah. And so we called and the first person to show up were these lovely NYPD officers, uh, male, female, so sweet. And they come in and they're just looking around and looking at my photos and they're like, is that your ma? Oh, she looks like a sweet lady. And they're just talking and chatting and and we're just having a nice time. And then I'm like, well, is the Department of Fire coming? Like, and Would you like to see the fire upstairs? <laughs> or Nah, nah, we'll just, uh, this is nice down here. And they're like, oh, no, here they come. And, and I see the lights. And I look over at the female police officer, and she's putting on lipstick. Wow. And the male police officer is like, look at my partner. She loves when the firemen show up. <laughs> she just puts on a lipstick. And... 
And then he goes, now is your downstairs door still locked? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you better open it or they will take it down with an axe. They love doing that stuff. <laughs> and so I ran downstairs, opened the door, and instantly my bedroom is flooded oh. with like 11 oh. Department of Firemen. They are beautiful men. Yeah. And I started <laughs> crying again because I'm like, you are here to save me. That is what you are doing here. You are here to save me. And it gave me such appreciation for them. And they pulled out a spike and they tore down our wall to make sure there wasn't fire in the wall. Wow. And they deemed us safe. And After they tore down a wall. After they two. tore down a wall. <laughs> uh, take it down, Tony. Just be safe. I just feel like... You had some preparation for this at one point before <laughs> you would know what to do. That I when would, the fire started. That I would know what to do. Yeah. Like I mean, you've been through this once. I feel like you would know. You would have learned the first time. Just call nine one one. It's a surprise every time. <laughs> it really. It, it's like it never happened before. Oh I'm ho- I'm hoping it doesn't happen a third time. But I'm hoping if it does, I a will surprise immediately. Every time. That's yeah. beautiful. Call nine one one. Yeah, <laughs> no one's really expecting a fire. No, no, Not really. Unless you start it. Yeah. Correct. <clears throat> oh, brother, that is so funny. <laughs> I like that moment though, of you just realizing your your belief and appreciation of society. And you're yeah. Like, wow. Oh yeah. I was like, Department we've, of Fire. We've done a great job here <laughs> with this Department of Fire. <laughs> this America isn't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> I like living here. Oh, wow. Well, okay, we got to get into this book okay, because yes. I'm so excited to talk about it, and I want to know. How did you go from being someone who did not know about the fire department to getting into uh, cryptids, which most people have never even heard of? I mean, we've heard of big, most people hear Bigfoot Mm -hmm. or Loch Ness Monster, but uh, judging from the cover of your book, The Cryptid Catcher, you've got Goatman on there. It looks like you got Batsquatch himself on there Mm -hmm. or something like it. Uh, So how did you go from being a performer uh, and someone who wasn't into this stuff to into this. Yes. Well, um, I was living in at the time Brooklyn, and and I was a performer. But my journey of being a performer is I basically sat around and waited for the phone to ring. So I had a we lot. We know that feeling well. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've, I've been victim to that as well. Yes. So <laughs> basically, I had a lot of time on my hands, and I wasn't feeling creatively fulfilled, and somebody gave me some really good advice. They said, if you're not happy, look at the evidence of your life and do something with it. And so I was like, well, the evidence of my life is I'm paying my bills, working a part-time job. So the rest of the time, I'm just kind of sitting in coffee shops and feeling like I have a creative voice, but not really knowing how to get it out. And I was like, well, I'm sitting here in front of my computer and maybe I could try writing something. And so I was turning 35 and I was single and feeling down. And and I was like, well, why don't I go traveling a little bit just to clear my head? So I saved some money and I took myself to New Zealand and I did a Lord of the Rings hiking tour. Cool. Because I'm that big of a nerd. And as I was hiking, this idea for a book just kind of fell fully formed into my head, just like a story. And I was like, well, why don't I start writing? Like, I don't need to wait for the phone to ring to write. I can just sit in front of my computer. So I sat down and I wrote 
a book and I really enjoyed it. And I loved the book. Um, I loved the story, but it was basically The Hobbit. I just basically wrote The Hobbit. <laughs> is so what I did. I want to get this straight. <laughs> you were in the Shire. Yes. And you were suddenly struck with an idea for a book that was fully formed. So there's this ring. And you loved it. (laughs) And then you wrote it. And it was The Hobbit? It was basically The Hobbit. But they were drunk all the time. They're drunk all the time. It was like drunk hobbits all the time. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, It's just called Drunk Hobbit. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) And I tried to get a literary agent. And they're like, no, this is just The Hobbit. And <laughs> <laughs> also, your house is on fire. You need to call somebody. <laughs> and But I got enough positive feedback that I knew how to write, you know, that I had some talent with writing. Um, and maybe I should just try not to rewrite somebody else's book. So right. then I was like, well, what ideas do I have for my next book? And... At the time, I was reading a book on the Delta Force because I love military history. Oh, yeah, me too. And then I read an article on TMZ about Charlie Sheen mm. and how he put together a hunting party. I am to- so excited to where all of this is going. <laughs> Hang in there. So he went to Alaska with a hunting party to search for the Otterman. And I was like, what is who is the Otter Man? I've, and I've what... never heard of it. You guys heard of the no. Otter Man? Yeah. Uh, I'm blanking on that one. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was like, who is the Otter Man and what does Charlie Sheen want with him? And <laughs> so... <laughs> Otter blood. He owes him some money. <laughs> yeah. So I started researching the Otter Man and discovered this world of cryptids and cryptozoology. And I discovered that, you know, every culture has cryptids, every country has cryptids. And I was like, this is really interesting. This is like different than mythology. This is legend. You Mm. know, in legend, there's an element of truth to legend. And people believe that these creatures exist and they might exist. And everybody in this room believes they exist. (laughs) So going back to the Delta Force, I thought, well, maybe I should write a book about this. Well, I didn't know genres or, you know, kids books, adult books. So I wrote an adult book about a Delta Force soldier hunting cryptids. And I thought it was fabulous. I would love to play that role. But it was just The Hobbit. (laughs) But again, again, it took place in the Shire and he had large feet and was... And again, I submitted to every uh, literary agent out there, and I did not even get rejection letters. Like, everybody was like, no, this is ridiculous. And then four months later, my current agent uh, contacted me, and he was like, Leah, I really like your writing. Do you have representation? And I lied, and I was like, well, I'm, I'm fielding some offers right now. Good. And in his mind, he was like, no, you're not. It's been four months. <laughs> I've um, read your book. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I've read your book, and nobody's offering you anything. And, but he was like, but I like, I like your voice. And he said, would you mind rewriting it for the young adult, for kids, for kids 13 to 18? And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a go. So I read all sorts of young adult books to you know get the tone and the voice. And I rewrote it for 13 to 18 year olds, and it was terrible. Mm. It was basically about a boy 
looking for a dragon while thinking about sex. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I'd read that. Yeah. I know what I tell that. I'd like to play that role too. (laughs) When I find that dragon, first thing I'm going to do is make out with it. Um, so it was awful, and my agent was like, Leah, this is awful. And I'm like, I know. And he goes, well, maybe you should try to rewrite it for middle graders, for 8- to 12-year-olds. And I was like, I'll give it a go. So I read a bunch of middle grade books, again, just to get the tone and what you can do with the genre. And I rewrote it then about a 13-year-old boy who discovers that cryptids are real And that his father has been training him to find them and catch them in order to find the one cryptid who is immortal. Mm. Um, Because if you find the immortal cryptid and inject its blood into yours, you will be immortal. So, of course, the bad guys want the immortal cryptid so they can live forever and rule the world. So it's now up to this 13-year-old boy to find the immortal cryptid and and save the world. That's an incredible story. Like, that's like... Not not just because we're into that stuff. I'm I'm talking about the uh, your tenacity to keep going and and keep pursuing and and uh, and to be flexible too. And yeah, and yeah. to totally be flexible. And, yeah. I, I love stories like that of overcoming adversity. So many times, I mean, on these creative endeavors, the first thing you do is just you know you kind of let them fall by the wayside or give up on them. And um, uh, good for you. Kudos for sticking to it. And now you have this amazing book that's sitting on our little coffee table. And yeah. Yeah, so when did this come out? So this came out August 21st of this year, 2018. Thank you. It's with Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux, which is an imprint of Macmillan. Awesome. Wow. And it's a two-book deal. So book two, The Cryptid Keeper, comes out August 2019. Awesome. Oh, that's so cool. That's so exciting. That's yeah. great. Thank you. Yeah, that's so thank you. Very what? inspiring story. Yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. Thank you. Well, I was just, you know, they say find your champions. And I was just so grateful that I found this agent who really helped me navigate finding my own voice. I never would have known that I was a middle grade adventure novelist. I never knew that about myself until he was like, try this. No, that doesn't work. Try this. And, and it could have kept going worse. You could have been like, you know what? Try baby books. <laughs> right. You know, pop-up, so at least you stop. Yeah, pop. Have you t- tried pop-ups? <laughs> so at least it stopped right at like, you know, because you, you're right in a good zone with this, I feel. Have you, you know? tried just picture books? No words. We'll get you an illustrator. Totally. <laughs> Actually, you won't be a part of this at all. <laughs> right. But it's your idea and thank yeah, you for that. Right. Amazing. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. It is so funny. I mean, not. I mean, Bryce brings up such a great point too of just like, you know, I think a lot of people who, when it, people ask me, how do you do this or how do you, you know, it's like you got to stick with it and you've got to be able to like, you know, I'm, I'm starting a new job this week where I'm like hearing no more than we do as, as, as actors. I mean, we hear it all the time and it's just, it's so cool to hear that, uh, you know, that you kept going, like Bryce said, now I'm just repeating him, but that is good advice out there for anybody who's listening who wants to truly be a part of the arts, uh, Listen, listen to Leah's story. Um, so what what uh, you told me or you mentioned in an email that you recently spent time with Lauren Coleman? Yes. Tell us about that. <clears throat> so I haven't met Lauren yet, but I will in April. Oh. Uh, so Lauren Coleman is the uh, founder of the International Cryptozoology Museum. Founder? Um, I believe so. Founder, founder of the museum. Curator, yeah. Yeah, curator in, of the... Uh, in Portland, Maine, correct? Portland, Maine, of the, uh, yeah, International Cryptozoology Museum, which is the 
only cryptozoology museum in the world. And he, uh, he has been so gracious that he is has agreed to collaborate with me, and he is relaunching his junior cryptozoologist club. Oh, yes. cool is that? Yeah, so they are, you know, they're discovering that cryptozoology, even though people call it a pseudoscience, mm-hmm. even though a lot of scientists are cryptozoologists, um, they're discovering that cryptozoology is acting as a gateway science for kids, where kids... I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's the weed of science. <clears throat> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And exactly. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. It's weed of science. And so... <laughs> Cryptozoology. <laughs> the weed, weed of, of science. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they're discovering that when kids study Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, that they're exposed to other life sciences. And just like when kids learned about dinosaur bones. Right. Yeah. Wanted, That's what was popping mm-hmm. in my yeah. head. And yeah. all of a sudden, kids are like, I want to be an archaeologist. Um, kids are now learning about cryptids. And cryptids are kind of the new dinosaur. Uh, so Lauren is relaunching the Junior Cryptozoologist Club. And so... He's currently designing a special website, and it's like a hidden website, How and exciting. you need a password for it. Love it. And he's designing pins like they have in the Audubon Society. Oh, that's great. And so each pin will have like a cryptid on it. And so it's just a way to like get kids, you know, interested in in these mysteries, you know, because nowadays... Uh, for kids, the world can seem really overexplored because kids can grab their computer and Google the answer to anything. And so to have the thought that there are still things on Earth that can be uncovered, that can be explored, that that we don't know about, that on Earth there can be a frontier of exploration, uh, can be really exciting for kids. I couldn't agree more. And I think that's so well put because I know in my life, like, so nothing has driven me more than like, you know, kind of like the mystery of of discovering what's possible out there, you know, not just in this life, but possibly what's there after this life. And, you know, and and all that stuff, it just, it drives an imagination that I don't think you're going to get from like anything else uh, necessarily. And I, I, I think that's so important, you know, especially for kids. Uh, how many times do we go out into the into the woods, like you know, with like a toy gun, like hoping to come across, or like you know, just your your imagination flourishes, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's great. I have two questions. Yes. One, uh, having gone from not knowing anything about cryptids or cryptozoology to now doing this research and writing this book, I would like to know where your mind lands on these things and. and believing or not believing and two did you ever find out who or what the otter man is <laughs> good question um <clears throat> i think i fall in that place where i really i really want to believe in these cryptids because it gives me the same sense of mystery it gives me the same sense of not everything is explained and explored and and I've thought a lot about it. Like, why do we need to believe in Bigfoot? Like, what does that give us? Why why is that so important to us? Well, in our case, it gives us friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, it, it gives this sense of there's, there's more. Mm-hmm. There's something else. 
there's mystery, there's adventure. Um, so yeah, I want to believe in that. I, I, I enjoy believing in it. Um, as for the Otter Man, the Otter Man is a shape-shifting being located in southeast Alaska, and he's a creature that shapeshifts from a human to an otter, is what I learned about him. Cool. Mm -hmm. Did he get him? Charlie? Uh, I don't think Charlie got him. If he did, he didn't. Uh, he hasn't told anybody. It's in his refrigerator, in his basement refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I got to look up the otter, man. That's I'm surprised we missed that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, congratulations. I'm so excited to read your book. And uh, Bryce, that's going to be such a nice treat for the kiddies. Yeah, my, my boy's going to love that. Absolutely. I mean, he's the exact type of uh, demographic that you're talking about. Like, his imagination really sparked when he's like, wait, where are you going? Oh, it's just a Bigfoot podcast. Don't worry about it. <laughs> what are you doing? Who's Bigfoot? Are you my dad? Uh, are you sure? I mean, this character is pretty much your son. Yeah, it's no, like I know. you're secretly training him to be a cryptid hunter. It's <laughs> true. It really is true. But no, you're so right about all these uh, all these scientists. I mean, we're at, we're at a time and place in this world where where science feels like, you know, everything can be reduced. Everything's materialistic. You know, there's no mm -hmm. more... You know, we feel like we have all the answers to everything. And what I've discovered and what I at least feel is true is that that's the exact opposite, you know. Um, and, I, and I think even like some of the, the new sciences, like in string theory and quantum mechanics, it's starting to kind of unravel that reductionist paradigm that, uh, that scientists feel they know everything. Because, you know, as they start to look closer and closer into like, you know, what things are really made of, they're finding that, you know... Um, that sometimes they're not made of anything, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it takes an observer uh, to lock subatomic particles. So sometimes, you know, um, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. Well, but, whenever uh, Bryce says subatomic particles, that's our that's our cue to move on. Um, <laughs> before, Can I just say yes, one more thing, really do. fast? Yeah, and and the thing about cryptids is it's not out of the realm of possibility that these beings exist because every year eighteen thousand new species are being discovered on Earth. Now, granted, you know a lot of those are like single cell organisms or insects in the Amazon. Yeah, but just two months ago, they discovered a a, a big trout in Colorado that they thought was extinct cool and people are like there's this extinct trout swimming around and people are like no you're that you're seeing things so it was a cryptid for a while and they actually just caught it and they're like we thought this was extinct it's, and it's mr fat trout yeah <laughs> he exists <clears throat> happens then, all the time of course somebody was like well now that you've caught it now it is again extinct so right. i hope that <laughs> yeah, it's catching exactly. work <laughs> what uh where do you stand and i'm sure this came up in your research where do you fall in the i the idea that some of these beings might be interdimensional Ooh, ooh, i you know i actually didn't think that much about interdimensional, but going back to string theory, I, I know a little bit about it, just what I've seen on the TV specials sure. um, and how they're looking more at the possibility of interdimensions. Um, and parallel universes. And parallel the multiverse, yeah. And, um, my mind tends to go less to the sci-fi, sure. so I haven't thought 
that much about it, but I get a lot of stories on this show. We've when we research stuff about like Bigfoot's entering through portals, mm. and maybe some of these creatures like Mothman are not actually of this earth, but might slip in and out. From uh, I would I would I would recommend you check out. I say her name now every episode, <laughs> but the work of Linda Godfrey, Linda ah. S. Godfrey, mm-hmm. and I've got some books that you should check out just to. Maybe keep your mind open for new potential stories well, in excellent. your universe. As well. You're both yes. in luck today because my story of high strangeness just happens to fall yes. directly into that category. Great. All right, yes. before we move on, we have a little game we like to play. It's rapid fire. Oh boy! Uh, you have the choice between two words: bullshit or believe it. Mm. I'm going to throw some terms out at you one by one, real quick. You mm-hmm. say bullshit if you don't believe in it. And believe it if, if you do. Okay. Or believe it if you do. And fire if there's anything, if there's anything you want to circle. <laughs> yeah. Well, department of fire. Believe it. <laughs> exactly. If there's anything you that it. you want to circle back on, we will after we go through the list. Okay. Okay. You just let me know. Okay. Uh all right. On your mark. Get set. Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Believe it. Bigfoot. Believe it. Angels. Believe it. Gnomes. Believe it. Fairies. Believe it. Unicorns. Believe it. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. Alien Greys. I don't know what that the is. The gray aliens with the big black eyes. Oh, I gotta believe figure it. out a believe it. different way to phrase it. I, I guess. was picturing them grazing like cows. Yeah, I gotta figure out I gotta figure out how to change that. <laughs> Parallel universes. Believe it. Reptilians disguising themselves as humans. Mm, bullshit. Mermaids. Believe it. Yes. Heaven. Believe, believe it. Hell, bullshit. Dogmen, believe it. Yeti, believe it. Elves, believe it. ESP, believe it. Chupacabra, believe it. Demons, believe it. Atlantis, believe it. Time travel, believe it. Life on other planets, believe it. Life after death. Believe it. Cool. Dude, we stack up. <laughs> I mean, we're like yeah. we're like this yeah. on our answers. That is awesome. Anything you want to circle back to, uh, Bryce? Anything? Oh, yeah. Oh, so demons, but not hell. Yeah, well, after I said believe it to demons, um, I was like, oh, do I think I, I want to take that answer back and say bullshit on the demons. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah sure, yeah. sure. I, 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 one time I went to, um, I was going to different churches just to sample what they believed. And I went to uh, a Unitarian church and I spoke with the minister afterwards and, you know, just to talk about what they believed in. And he was so funny. He's like, you know, some people call us more of a social club than a church. He's like, because we kind of pick and choose what we like. He's like, you know, here in this church, we decided we didn't like the idea of hell, that it it, it was just too scary. He's like, so we got rid of it. We <laughs> right, got rid of chill. it. And I was like, I like that. So if I can get rid of demons, I'm going to get rid of demons. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. They're like, and we we weren't a fan of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so we're getting rid of the we're getting rid of that part of the New Testament. Boring. Just, it's, we we didn't like, like the it. part with giants. <laughs> keeping the giants. We're keeping the giants. Getting rid of that other stuff. Get, everything else goes. We're giantarians. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't have a mic, but I want. Hold on. Be okay. Give her a mic. Give her a mic. Be known that I almost did a literal spit take when she just said aliens grazing. <laughs> <laughs> I had water in my mouth and it took me almost 30 seconds to get it. 
I did see you over there. I was wondering what was going on. It's an obtruse visual. We get it. They're just in a field, just jumping on some grass. Uh, it would be pretty awesome. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that's never, how they form crop hey, circles. It could happen. I need to add that to the list, too. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have this week's tale of high strangeness. Yes, we do. Michael. Yes, Bryce. Doesn't it seem odd to you that with all our technology mm. and so many people looking that the closest we can actually get to discovering the true identity of Bigfoot is some blurry photos, anomalous hair samples, and trackways that seem to just stop in the middle of nowhere and then disappear altogether? You know, I have thought about that, mm. and it's weird. <laughs> I think you know where I'm headed with this, don't mm, you? Do I? What is it that I'm suggesting is, rather than being a missing link between man and apes, Bigfoot may possibly be an alien entity with psychic powers and the ability to travel interdimensionally through portals and or spaceships. Well, you have made a few leaps. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, the intriguing possibility is derived from evidence from several solid UFO cases. Now, the earliest clues... Is today's high strangeness tale... Bigfoot and the UFO Connection. Whoa. Yeah, I've been waiting for this one. I've been waiting for this one. So the earliest clues date back to 1888, when a cattleman described an encounter with friendly Indians in Humboldt County, California. They led him to a cave where he saw a hefty humanoid covered in long, shiny black hair with no neck, sitting cross-legged. One Indian told him that three of these crazy bears had been cast out of a small moon that dropped from the sky and landed. The moon then ascended back into the air, so it's highly likely the crazy bears were really Bigfoots and the moon a spacecraft. Pause. Crazy bears is also the third band name that we've come up with tonight. (laughs) Crazy bears? (laughs) Crazy bears. Sure. What was the other one? Uh, Electric... uh, Uh, Desert Electricity. Desert Electricity. Is that it? Yeah. It was better. It was better than that. <clears throat> Damn it. Really? You know what's you know what's you know what's convenient? We record these conversations. Oh, yeah, yeah right. go back and listen. Sure. Ah, DJ anyway. DJ and the Shadow Bats. That's still a classic. Now, fast forward about a hundred years to nineteen seventy three. Another dramatic incident occurred a few day on October twenty fifth, nineteen seventy three, where a group of farmers in Fayette County, Pennsylvania caught sight of a dome shaped UFO that was brightly lit and about a hundred feet in diameter. Now, as the locals drove toward it, they saw a pair of gargantuan creatures covered with thick matted hair, luminescent green eyes, and long arms that dangled below their knees. A farmer's son fired a gunshot at the creatures, one of which raised its right hand in the air. At that very moment, the UFO disappeared. Then, the two Bigfoots escaped into the woods and were never seen again. Whoa. Yeah. That was in 73 in That was California? in 1973, Fayetteville, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, sorry. We also have another account of a dairy farmer, William Bozak of Frederick, Wisconsin, was returning from a co-op meeting about 10.30 p.m. on December 9, 1974, when he nearly slammed into a globular UFO on the road in front of him, its bottom half enshrouded in fog. 
Inside the visible transparent dome was a six-foot-tall ape-like creature with reddish-brown fur covering its body, except for the face. Come, come, my friend. And distinctive pointed ears. It appeared to be operating a control panel. As Bozak passed by, the object suddenly arose and disappeared. Goodbye. (laughs) That's right. Now, in August, also 1976, after a series of UFO sightings around Rutland, British Columbia, Canada, several men and their children saw a hairy ape-like entity six to seven feet tall roaming about a mountainside. They also found a clump of hair that was sent to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for identification. Laboratory analysis confirmed, as it often does, that it was primate hair, but significantly it could not be matched to any known species on Earth, leaving us to wonder... Is Bigfoot really an alien? Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. I thought we were going to let that one hang for a minute. <laughs> I thought you let it hang, which is perfectly amount. Um, yeah, so it's reported that at least 20% of Bigfoot sightings co- uh, coincide with UFO events. Uh, In 1973, Pennsylvanian UFO researcher Stan Gordon noticed an increase in sightings of Sasquatches entering and exiting the extraterrestrial vehicles. Fascinated by the possibility that the mysterious primates may actually hail from another planet, Gordon quickly set up a UFO Bigfoot hotline, which still runs to this day. And yes, I did call it. I got his voicemail. Um, I didn't leave a message, although I... (laughs) I left Somebody one on ours. keeps calling and hanging up. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with people? I know. Guilty. Uh, yeah, one can't help but when researching Bigfoot and his space brothers, combined with his supernatural abilities, to come across the works of Jack Kawani Lapsoritis. Have you ever heard of him? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Jack Kawani Lapsoritis is a master herbalist, wellness educator, holistic health consultant, and hypnotherapist, as well as a master dowser. Who has written several books on the subject. After- I just want to point out Master Dowser, also a great band name. <laughs> Master Dowser. <laughs> That's on the list. That is a pretty good one. That's a good one. They'll be on the, they'll be on the, uh, on the tour for sure. Um, it's just a prog rock band <laughs> and the dude with a giant hose just sprays it. Wait, that's awesome. That's a good band. Right there. Dude, I'd see them for sure. Uh so he wrote of several books on the subject after an encounter in September of 79 where a Sasquatch and E.T. telepathically spoke to him, revealing their psychic reality and their concerns about how modern man is destroying the planet. Wow. So, you know, it's kind of an interesting uh, theme there. You know, a lot of these abduction cases, sometimes they'll get uh, telepathic messages of the, of the danger that we're doing to our planet and stuff like that. Did he have... Uh... Did he explain whether or not he was getting visuals of who was saying this stuff? How did he know yeah. it was a Sasquatch in an in a well in his like book a field grazer? That's a great question. <laughs> so in his book, the psychic Sasquatch and their UFO connection, he explains how Bigfoot can often materialize and dematerialize. Now I haven't read the book, uh, which I need to, but fortunately I found this review by a girl named Anna who. Uh, who said, I decided to read this book after it was featured on the Awful Library Books blog. So I was like, okay. <laughs> sounds well, good. Sounds good. Uh, she says, I did not really have any prior interest in Bigfoot research, and I can't say that I actually believe in the existence of Bigfoot. But after reading this book, I am more open to the idea. If all the experiences in this book are true, then it would seem that the Bigfoot phenomenon is real. I just love that Anna was bored and just surfing the <laughs> net one day, and she's like, I do love libraries. Yeah, I love good books. What if there are bad library books out there? Well, and what are they? 
Exactly. You know that book has a badass cover, too. Dude, it has an amazing cover. <laughs> it, it's it's sick. He also wrote another book called Bigfoot and the Interdimensional Connection, and he has a third book out, Forward too. Forward by Bryce Johnson. <laughs> I know. How did I not get that? Well, Anna tells us that she learned quite a lot about Bigfoot. Wait, who is Anna? Who she is just, she? She just did a review on uh, that I wrote on the Amazon? internet. Well, I haven't read You're the book. You're quoting people from <laughs> Amazon yeah. reviews yeah. in our highest strangeness now? Yeah. You're talking about her as if she's a researcher. Yeah. Like, we all know who she is. Well, she bullet points what she learned. You know, Anna. I really have to talk to you after this show's over. I've been under a lot of stress. <laughs> All right, listen. <laughs> you broke Michael. <laughs> uh, uh, it's okay to be off format a little bit. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so Anna tells us. He's gone gone, though. <laughs> I learned quite a lot about Bigfoot Sasquatch. I want to know uh, one thing. Have you emailed Anna? <laughs> no. Okay. No, but I hope she appreciates uh, the work that she's put in. <laughs> now, in his book, Psychic Sasquatch and the UFO Connection. Wait, what did Anna write? I'm going to tell oh, you. Okay. We learned that, and here's just a few bullet points. Bigfoot cannot speak but can communicate telepathically <laughs> with humans. Michael. I'm just picturing you now using Amazon reviews as your research assistant. <laughs> well, you know, they can also communicate with other creatures. In fact, they sometimes use birds to spy on humans. They can dematerialize to hide from humans, sometimes leaving just their red eyes visible. They can read humans' thoughts and will generally only make themselves known. <laughs> You've got to calm down. Keep going. <laughs> Uh, and will only make themselves known if you have a true love for nature and do not wish to harm the Bigfoot. They will likely not appear to you if you have a camera or a weapon with you. However, sometimes they are caught by surprise. They have families, and in fact, one contributor to this book had a Sasquatch give birth in her hayloft. Wait. They can control... Wait, no, you... Yeah. You can't keep going. You can't, <laughs> can't keep going. Just gloss so over that hayloft. <laughs> Wait, there was a hayloft birth of a Bigfoot in yes. barn? Yes. These Where? Are, well, these are personal accounts that... Uh, are in the book. That the uh, Yes, that the author has God, taken. I want my birthday is four days from now. You better rush deliver this book Dude, to my house. It's a trilogy. my birthday It's a trilogy. Because I need it so bad. We also learn they can control the weather and heal humans in various injuries and diseases. There are seven races of Bigfoot, and Bigfoot people live all over the world. They give off a garbage-like or skunk-like smell to scare off humans when they're feeling strong emotions. We knew that one. They can appear violent, may even threaten to kill humans, but they're just bluffing. They like human children and do not like alcohol. They like to stay up late and sleep until mid-morning. Some Bigfoot sightings are associated with the sound of a generator underground. This is because star people are working in subterranean cities who underneath. Are, who are the star people? Now, uh, you know, uh, alien greys, perhaps. Okay. Wait, hold on. The star people need generators? Uh, well, because they're working. They're mining. Maybe they don't have more they're advanced they're mining. Listen, like a Kawasaki. <laughs> These are all just personal accounts. I know. Uh, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. We're with you. We're with you. This is very fun. It does get a little strange. <laughs> um, now, let me see. Fire up the jetty. We got stardust to mine. 
<laughs> Many Bigfoot sightings have coincided with UFO sightings, and the star people often transport Bigfoot in their flying saucers. This is all from Anna's notes. Yeah, well, <laughs> she just she so lovingly bullet That's pointed. That's a really good description of the book. Yeah, I couldn't have done it better myself. I hadn't she, read the book, like so it's not broke. Listen, we do a story a week. I don't have time to read it's every a lot book. Of pressure on every. It's a lot of pressure. I'm recycling these scores, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. What have I done with my life? Oh, man. <laughs> what have I done? So, I ask people to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> we have a published author on this show. <laughs> I, know, I, know it is, I know it is pretty sad that I'm quoting from. It doesn't matter. It doesn't I matter. love it. Now, keep, keep going. going. Keep going. Kawani, Jack Kawani. Um, he has a he has a website called scenicsasquatch.com, which stands for Sasquatch Close Encounter Network for Interspecies Communication, promoting a peaceful spiritual approach to interspecies communications. And it's a website for experiencers to share about their communications interactions with Sasquatch. Yeah. So um, on that website, I came across the story of a girl named. <laughs> I feel like I'm the emperor wearing no clothes. No, no, that's not, not the problem. <gasps> oh, we just get the giggles. Sometimes. Okay, all right, good. Uh, I came across a uh, a story on on that website by a girl named Cindy Carter, and her story is entitled "How I Became a Sasquatch Interpreter." Now I won't go through her entire story, but. Uh, um, she you d- just flipped through three pages. I want to know some facts. Yeah, okay. Well, she tells the story of, um, first of all, she's an intuitive, and she has the ability to communicate with multidimensional consciousnesses. That's now, what uh, Adela Levine is. Yeah. Um, intuitive. So in the summer of 2015, she got a phone call from her friends Mary and Evelyn. Now, they're investigators in uncommon occurrences. So... She asked them to those her friends asked them to de- deal with this uh, this family who had been um, getting these. Well, I'll get there. Um, so they called and said they were involved in a case where they are now assisting the family within some very scary activities at their home. They needed my help as an interpreter. I was being asked to be an interpreter of the multidimensional field that can access this clan of Sasquatch to ask what was happening. Apparently. Um, this family had been getting these muddy handprints and stuff all over their house and and because uh, they were drilling a, a well near a pond out in, in their back field. Um, so, and they were eventually driven out of their home. Um, so she was brought in after about two years and was told that it was a large acreage property partially in the pasture um, and that there were many caves on the property. Anyway, I liked this story because Do they think so. They think that there was so they, they obviously had a big muddy patch. Yeah, there was like a big kind of uh, pond or lake out right. in the backyard, and they were and they were doing some drilling in there. And something was tracking through the mud and coming up to the house and leaving prints on the house. Yes, that's right. Now, were those the entities that were trying? You said they were driven out of their house. What happened by a clan of Sasquatch, supposedly? Whoa. Um, well, because so she said. Um, Oh, oh, I like this because she was like, she has a what was that moment. She says, while she were driving there onto the property uh, on this long gravel driveway, going past the caves in the woods on the left, Mary and I saw something out of the front windshield just as we turned onto the property down a long gravel driveway with caves that I could see from the road on the left and pastures down the hill. 
just when she almost slammed on her brakes as we both said in unison, what was that? She stopped the car and immediately her hand was on the car door, opening the door, Mary saying, don't go out there. She said, oh, I'm going. And she did. And what they saw was a dog-like creature, about four feet tall, at head height with big pointy ears, a pointy snout, and big huge black legs. Dogman. Kind of like a jacked up dog. Dogman. It was all black with green glowing eyes. This is the middle of the day, mind you, and it was a transparent black. Would you be scared of that if it was in the middle of the day? Middle of the day. Not, well, I, I think a dogman any time of day would, okay. would, would give me pause. I agree. Yeah. Exactly. So this is the, uh, it was transparent black, just as multidimensional creatures might look into our eyes. It looked straight at us, then turned and bounded down the hill toward the pasture. Now, she just goes on to basically explain how she went onto the property and she felt the energy of an anger and deep sadness. And she felt like a sacred space that had been desecrated with all the drilling equipment and tarps. And uh, she immediately saw what happened. The drilling on the rim of the pond opened a hole and flooded a cave underneath it. Um, Basically, you know, flooding out the uh, Sasquatch caves. She said she was felt she was given complete story in one split of a second in her mind, delivered telepathically like it was a collective thought of all the beings involved. Immediately, she knew it was a clan family, a unit comprised of two adults, male and female, as partners with two children and three other adults in the family unit. This was their land and their sacred space. Um, and the family had reported taking sacred pieces from their cave, and the clan, the Sasquatch clan had felt violated and desperate to communicate. Uh, hence which they called Hello. in Cindy. It also goes to go on to tell how she, uh, and this is, uh, it gets a little crazy here as if it hasn't already. Um, uh, Buckle up. <laughs> Samantha, if you're listening in the car, you might want to pull over. Yeah, right. Uh, so she, let's see, where do Cindy we need the Sasquatch, Sasquatch psychic? Yes. No, so she had reported that uh, she had evidences of alien greys carrying two Sasquatch babies across the field each day. Well, okay. Yeah, I know. In Whoa. the morning and in the evening. She joked that it was the greys' job to babysit them each day, that this alien would carry them across the field each morning to the other cave system and the other side of the driveway and then return them around each evening like clockwork. She was allowed to see that because she had worked and communicated with the greys since a child. Um, this is one of the ladies on the farm, not Cindy. Uh, she was fascinated as well as scared of them. Anyway, so to bring this back to... Um, you can't just go <laughs> anyway after dropping. Yeah. Dude, listen. It's, I, I, I love this shit. I love how weird... It's so uh, strange. Just the visuals of it are great. Listen, it, it is bonkers, but it's it, I, it, it might be true. Well, I wanted to bring it back to Kawani, um, you know, the, the guy who Master wrote the, Dowser. the Master Dowser who wrote the uh, Psychic Sasquatch. So when she told him all this story, she uh, she called and he was gracious enough, gracious enough to stop his life for a moment and engage with me, she says, and just everyday stuff. Um, so I told him about the black dog and he immediately said, oh, the dog man. I said, yes. He said, they are interdimensional guardians of the Sasquatch. They monitor and watch their areas to protect and warn them when others arrive. She says, okay, that makes total sense. Then she asked about the gray alien, and he told me that they are often together and that the grays basically work for the Sasquatch, and sometimes they assist them with earthly issues. 
So I liked that story because it kind of had all three of them in there, and I know it's a little out there. Well, what do you take away from this, Bryce? Well, that one was, you know, a little wild. So no, no, no. I'm serious. What, <clears throat> what, I'm not arguing. I'm just, what what, what do you think? High, you're like in... high strangeness. But yeah. I wanted to bring it back to something a little bit more grounded. <clears throat> um, and that's, you know, when I come back to John Keel. Are you familiar with John Keel? He is the man mm-hmm. that wrote the book, The Mothman Prophecies. He's kind of a legendary cryptozoologist writer in his own rights, much like Lauren Coleman. And, uh, and he's explored topics of high strangeness, too. Now, Keel is well known for, like I said, having written the Mothman prophe- prophecies and for popularizing the term men in black. Now, Keel describes what he called window areas, where he consistently observed a range of unusual phenomena that occur in specific locations and in a p- particular sequence. These include star-like lights seen in the sky, moving at speeds and angles impossible for conventional aircraft, full moon-sized fireballs streaking low across the horizon, and smaller lights seen near ground level followed by the appearance of the classic saucer-shaped spacecraft. At some point in this bizarre phantasmagoria, within the same area, large mystery primates would also show up, what Keel called Big Hairy Monsters, or BHM, sometimes followed by the MIB. Now, John Keel clearly thought all these phenomena were stages, or transmogrifications, he called them, in the manifestation of a single energy source. Basically, they're all related somehow. Now, the origin of which is unknown. The only things witnesses saw that were real were the light forms, the big hairy monsters, spacecraft, and their occupants. Um, And the MIB were hallucinations, thus their apparent non-materiality, caused either by reactions within the perceivers' minds or actually projected on the observers by an intelligent, perhaps malevolent outside force directing the energy. Um, Just to finish up here, there was one other book that I that was interesting and needs needs to be further read from by myself uh or perhaps i'll just go on amazon and... yeah what's anna have to say about <laughs> it <laughs> see, see what anna has to say about it i'm picturing being interviewed by terry gross on npr and having her say now i haven't read your book but right. anna anna from amazon right. says this about she it she has and this is what she has uh, to say what, how, what do you how do you respond to anna <laughs> It's a little uncouth, but it it fits my stylings nicely. (laughs) So uh, the co-author of the book, uh, Bigfoot Exploring the Myth and Discovering the Truth, Tom Burnett has witnessed even more bizarre things, which would fit in well with Keel's energy transmogrifications theory. He had a group of self-proclaimed Bigfoot experts from California visit his place. They all witnessed, now I thought this was pretty cool, an owl fly into their camp and it mock attacked everyone who brought guns, threatening them with close swoops over their heads with its talons threateningly exposed. Then it turned into a ball of light and flew out of the area. That night, Bigfoot threw trees and rocks in the woods, and the next day the experts went home scared. To top off Tom's own experience of what could have been the full range of the window area phenomena, it is very likely that he, has, he was paid a visit by a men in black or the equivalent He was approached by a man who identified himself as an intelligence officer from the U.S. Air Force, who somewhat mysteriously knew where Tom worked at the time. The man volunteered information that at least some of the Bigfoot are used by a superior alien race as slaves for the purpose of mining the earth for bismuth, a radioactive chemical element that, through decay, becomes uranium-235 and is supposedly used by the aliens as a fuel source. 
leaving us to wonder, perhaps these Bigfoot creatures are UFO pilots landing on Earth for exploratory purposes, or conceivably higher-level ETs are leaving behind some specimens as guinea pigs to test our environment for long-term survival. Now, yeah, that's... uh. <laughs> God, I, I really am off the charts today. No, dude. I mean, look, it's not any weirder than the stuff we usually talk about uh, on this show, to <sighs> be honest. And, like, the window stuff rings, like, that's, like, that's Skywalker, or I almost said it, Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, you know what I mean? Totally. Uh, and stuff that we've heard. When Aaron was last here uh, about Edwards Air Force Base and stuff going on in the Mojave Desert, where you get UFOs and Bigfoot and all this stuff together. Um, <clears throat> really weird shit. Yeah. Really strange. Great job. Thank you, Anna, for your your research. <laughs> That's to be determined. Um, yes. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, uh, we're running out of time, but we got to ask Leah. What the hell was that? And what the hell was that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, did you ever read anything like that when you were researching your books? <laughs> that was a lot. And yeah. that was really, I, I actually didn't know of the Bigfoot UFO uh, connection. So that was actually really interesting to hear. Yeah, I guess we've sort of been fascinated, or at least I in particularly, um, as to, uh, first of all, not only just the connection of Bigfoot with other kind of phenomena such as like, psychic abilities and and not only that but like people seeing balls of light in and around an event of bigfoot sighting um but i've always felt that uh you know bigfoot seems to be more than just a one uh, a missing wood ape that we have yet to discover or lock down and two something more than just sort of a, a missing link of between you know man and where we've evolved today the you know homo sapien um, I definitely fall under the category, and I know we've discussed this so many times on this podcast that 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 Bigfoot is perhaps paranormal in nature, and uh, and as Keel would suggest, having something to do with these you know other strange phenomena, part of this from either a single energy source um, that perhaps is uh, you know like like they talked about on that Skinwalker Ranch, um, some sort of an an intelligence that seems to be fooling with them. Um, but I don't know. It, it it certainly leaves a lot of questions open to uh I love the to the nature mm, of Bigfoot. I love the visuals of these mm. stories. I love the visuals of these accounts. I love the I love the image of a dude driving down like a forest highway at night and there's a glowing orb with a Bigfoot hanging out in it. That stuff is rad. I don't know what to make. I honestly can't totally wrap my mind around this stuff. And I know that's part of the nature of some of these stories and a lot of these real. I mean, what I dig about this stuff is like this is when we really get into real high strangeness. Because when you start picking away at it, you start digging down a little bit further. It gets weird real it, fast. And, and it's obviously um, you kind of have to like just take a deep breath and figure out like. All right, this person might have a different agenda. This might be a little crazy, but you know, it's fascinating stuff in terms of legend and lore, especially. I, I mean, it makes me want to read those books and get into it and really see where you can come. But the thing that I, I was confused by, one of the things I was confused by was the what did Keel say about the um, 
the men in black were hallucinations. Yeah, that was I picked side up on that too. Yeah. Of, so you see a real Bigfoot or you see a real UFO, and then later your interaction with the men in black is is a hallucination. It's yeah, non materiality. I've never heard of that before, and that's. I hadn't, wow. I hadn't either, but I get. I, apparently, that's his take on on Men in Black that they are um, sort of a, uh, a, a yeah, and the the Men in Black were hallucinations, thus their apparent non materiality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't understand that either because from the Men in Black encounters that I've read, I mean, they were certainly material beings, yeah, um, caused either by reactions within the perceivers' minds or actually projected on the observers by an intelligent, perhaps right. malevolent outside force directing the energy. Got it. All right. Well, what, what's your takeaway from this weird, wild stuff? Um. Well, I one takeaway from it is I, I wonder if the connection with, you know, UFOs and Bigfoot is that it's a way to explain why we haven't seen Bigfoot, that, oh, he can just poof away. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, because why haven't we seen these creatures? Um, and one thing I was reading about ocean cryptids, why it's easy that we haven't seen them, is that they used to be seen a lot more before we created ships with engines. Mm-hmm. You know, back when we would sail across the ocean, they would see the creatures a lot more. But then once we got ships with engines and they would stick to certain shipping routes, the cryptids could hear them. Mm -hmm. So that's why we don't really see a whole lot of ocean cryptids anymore because they stay away from us. Um, But it's more likely that you would see a Bigfoot out in the wilderness because they don't. Yeah. But you know, we tromp through the woods. We make a lot of noise, you know, and if the, if you're native to a forest and you know, you know, when you got some hikers, you know, walking around. I That's mean, it's true. Tr- it's yeah. true. I feel. I feel like a case could be made for for both ends of the spectrum of why why they're so easily to avoid detection. I mean, you know, just the the this. You know, if they're such an intelligent creature, you know, I'm just, saying they're hearing us. That's and what they I'm saying. Know sa- how to get out of there? No, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they see they see us miles before we even you know step yeah. foot onto their you know their area or whatever. But you're right. It is kind of a a, a quick getaway. Uh, excuse all for like oh they just pop in and out of a portal but um, well it's also trying to unify all of these weird things in one coexisting universe which is a really hard thing to do you know um yeah that's what i love about it just the idea of like dogman bigfoot and alien greys like yeah, all working together they're like the, out. totally the, the, the avenger this is like the avengers narration <laughs> yeah. where they're all, they're yeah. all in a shared movie universe <laughs> right. and i dig that and it does dictate a need you know we do have a need to kind of dictate and organize all of this stuff in a one kind of thing but but i don't even feel like we're there yet at all if that's the case you yeah. know I, I know. know science it's, does the same thing with the unified but there's, uh, field yeah, there's, theory. There's they want to just kind of. This is your unified field this, theory. There, yeah, this is my <laughs> cryptozoological. There's something just so. <clears throat> I feel like once we get into this territory, mm. I don't know what's stopping us from being like all of this stuff is like some sort of waking shared dream. You know, all of this is some sort of psychic projection from our own consciousness that is creating these archetypes and legends and projecting them into our own reality. Because once you're getting to the point where people are seeing 
aliens carrying baby Bigfoot. Right. It's like, all right, what re- what is reality at this point? Because you're either either that's something that happens, in which case, like, sign me up, tell me that story, I need to know more. Yeah. Or that person's crazy. Or all of our like Jungian archetypes and legends are all getting mishmashed together as like time it's collective evolved, unconscious soup, and it's <laughs> it's pouring out of some psychic orifice in the collective mass, and people are actually seeing some sort of waking dream that is a little bit more real than a hallucination. Well, the funny thing with this stuff as well is that if you actually f- talk to someone who has truly experienced a Bigfoot sighting, it's easy to then discount them as being crazy. So like as much as we want to believe it, mm-hmm. when someone does come to us with a true experience that they believe, it, it's really easy to discount it. I I have can I tell a quick story yes, about of how course. I, yeah. I almost got to go camping last week with someone who claims that they genuinely have seen Bigfoot. Um, my friend started dating a new gentleman and and she at some point was telling him about my book and he was like, oh, well, I have seen Bigfoot. And she was like, what? And so I get a text from her and she's like, do you want to go camping with a guy who can lead us to Bigfoot? And I said, why do you even have to ask? <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Of course not. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and so then she's like, I'll set it up. And I'm like, wait, who is this guy? So we like get on a conference call and he tells me his experience seeing Bigfoot. He was camping in Colorado and talked for like 45 minutes about the sounds he heard It was interesting because talking about the generators, he heard a humming from underneath the ground Mm. Uh, all night. There were like sounds circling around him. Things were being thrown into the camp. Um, And then since that time, he's gone back to the same place like 40 times and always has Bigfoot activity. At one point, he saw them. He said they looked like silverback gorillas. And... As he's telling me this, I'm, I'm terrified. It's terrifying, but I'm thrilled, and mm. and I had a lot of mixture of emotions. And then I was like, okay, so it's you going, and my friend going, and me going. I said, well, can I invite my boyfriend to go because he loves camping? And the guy was like, ooh, that's Bigfoot ain't gonna have that. He's like, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not. He goes, that's a lot of people, and Bigfoot won't show up if there's. And that it's many harder people. for like, me that's... to murder both of you <laughs> exactly. with another man around. You're like, well, if I do the math, that's actually just <laughs> one more person, not a lot of people. Yes, and I was like, but I bought it because I wanted to go see Bigfoot, and I was like, no, of course, of course. And so I went to my boyfriend. And I'm like, sweetie, you can't come camping. <laughs> and he's like, why? I'm like, because Bigfoot won't show up. <laughs> and he's like, you have will that you? Effect on Bigfoot. He's like, will you listen to yourself? He's right. like, Leah, you're going into the woods with a man you don't know who's going to be armed with a gun <laughs> to see Bigfoot, and I can't come. <laughs> 
because supposedly a mythological creature won't show up if I'm there. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> Club member for life. <laughs> I'm like, why are you hassling me with this? Just let me go. And he's like, I don't know what to say. And then the next day I was telling another friend and I was like, oh my God, I'm going camping to see Bigfoot. And he's like, is your boyfriend going with you? And I was like, I was like, no, no, he can't. Bigfoot won't show up with that many people there. And my friend just stares at me. <laughs> And I'm like, what? And he's like, Leah, what What are you thinking? You can't do this. No. He's like, you can't go into the woods with a man who sees Bigfoot who you don't know that well. And I was like, boy, I'm getting some pushback here. All these, all these people in your life are trying to hold you back. So I call my friend and I'm like, is this a wise choice? Like, I'm getting some, some feedback that right. maybe us going into the woods with a man you've just started dating and other people aren't allowed to come with us, like maybe it's not a wise choice. And she's like, no, no, it's totally fine. He's really nice. We'll be fine. And I was like, okay, good, because I really want to go and see Bigfoot. And then the week comes that we're supposed to go camping, and I call her to see what provisions I need. And she's like, oh, I had to break up with him. And I was like, why? <laughs> and she goes, well, there were some red flags. And I was like, well, like that. What saw... were they? <laughs> and I said, well, like the fact that he saw Bigfoot. And she was like, no, no, not that. That wasn't a red flag. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and, so, and so we didn't get to go. But I thought, boy, what a conundrum that is because I want to believe. And I had this guy who's like, no, I I see them. I'm worried I... he will call you again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty right. sure. Yeah. But I was like, and I think the maximum number of people involved in the woods will go from three to two. We now know it's three. (laughs) Don't go. But I thought, you know, to find Bigfoot, you have to go into a dark forest. Yeah. With someone who knows how to find Bigfoot. At the same time, the last thing I want to do is go into a dark, creepy forest with someone who genuinely believes in Bigfoot. In a rock and a hard place. Yeah. So I was like, do I believe? And do I believe other people who believe? No, it's you know? true. It's true. It's, 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 yeah. It's, it's like the gatekeepers to these stories are the people who tell the stories. <laughs> we have to work, you know, you got to wonder. But I mean, we try to like, part of the thing with this show is like we do, now obviously I think you avoided the, I think you made the right choices, but we try to keep an open mind. and Safe and, to say. Because we want more, I think the more open mind we have about this stuff, the more, Stories like this will come out that are maybe genuine, uh, and maybe we can get to the bottom of this. But well, and you know, this is tonight. this is. I mean, I I I know it's it's a, it's it's good to have a lot of fun with some of these stories, and and we often do. But you know, I don't want to fall victim to so much of what these you know so called scientists who go out looking for these things who rise is quickly who, becoming anti science. <laughs> no, well, an, anti reductionist, you know, but. Uh, but who so often like want to take bits and pieces of of the narrative and then throw away what they don't like, and that's that's not objective science. You yeah. know what I mean? A science would be to take all the empirical evidence, as crazy as some of it may seem. But we also have to take the flip side on ourselves too when we tell these stories, and not just be like, "Well, that the stuff that pr- might prove that this wasn't a real Bigfoot encounter," like the idea that this guy's trying to get two women out into the woods alone you know (laughs) 
we have to be able to then go, okay, maybe that's a false, right, right, false situation. Of course, we of have course, to keep an open mind in the other way. I'm just too. talking. I'm just talking to the point that yeah, you know, some of these stories they can get yeah. really, really strange. But you know, a lot of these yeah. stories come from eyewitnesses, and 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 you know, that's the thing. It's like how much of it do we take at face value, and how much of it. You know, is just part of a stranger phenomena that's taking place. This I don't is why know. I, say, I don't know. I love the stories. Give yeah. me the stories, and maybe we'll figure something out. Lee, it's been a weird night, but before you go, I need to know uh, where can people find your book, and are you on any of the social medias? If if uh, fans of yours want to uh, follow along, yes, uh, it, you can find me at leahfisher.com, and my name is spelled L I J A. F-I-S-H-E-R. And you can get on there to learn more information about the Junior Cryptozoology Club. I'm also on Twitter at Leah Fisher. And I'm on Instagram at Cryptid Catcher. Uh, and for my book, you should be able to find it, hopefully, at your local bookstore. Um, awesome. Be it, you know, we always encourage to buy local yeah, and, of course. you know, support your small small bookstore. Um, but you can also find it online. You can just Google it, The Cryptid Catcher. And you can also get it at your library. And if it's not at your library, then you can always request it, and they will uh, hopefully stock it for you at your library. So cool. Uh, congratulations. I Thank can't, you I yeah, cannot wait to read this. Thank you. Um, and everyone there, you should go check it out. Whether you have a middle-grade reader in your house or not, I'm sure you're going to find something that you will enjoy there. Uh, you can find us at Bigfoot Collectors Club at uh, on all the social medias, Bigfoot underscore C Club at Twitter, Bigfoot Collectors Club on Instagram or on Facebook. Email us with your stories at BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com. Call us. I can't remember the number. off 310 Sorry. Five. I started so strong. <laughs> yeah. 597-4803. That's 310-597-4803. Four eight zero three, and please, while we're on the topic of reading, please check out my very small independent comic book called Adventure Van. That's it should be in your local comic shops now. If it's not, like uh, uh, Leah's book, you can ask them to order it. Uh, issue three is available now. If not now, very soon. Um, we love you guys. Keep listening to the show. Come back next week. We're gonna have a great uh, episode and celebrate our. Uh, our birthday, our official one-year birthday, will be on next episode, which comes out on Halloween. Uh, we're going to have a really great guest on that one, a returning guest who's very spooky um, and awesome. So we'll see you next week. Aaron, it was great to have you just sitting yeah. here quietly crying and laughing. We appreciate that, too. You want to say goodbye to the people, Aaron? Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> Anna, if you're listening, thanks so much. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Collectors Club is produced by Riley Bray. Our theme song is Come Alone by Sun Eaters, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps get the podcast to more listeners. To support the show, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club and unlock multiple reward episodes every month.
On a summer night, Douglas Wagg Jr. lay motionless across a strip of railroad tracks before being struck by an oncoming train. I'm investigative journalist Delia D'Ambra, and my investigation into exactly how Doug died took me into the depths of a bizarre mystery. It was really hard to understand what was fact and what wasn't. A mystery that has led me from one suspicious death to another. Listen to CounterClock now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.